0: But I want to jump right into the message. I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then I want us to jump right into the message if we can. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to be here. And Lord, I, I do pray that you would help us as we look into your word, as we study uh, to, how to live by faith, and to be able to take your word uh, for what it says and to live that way. And Lord, I pray that you would work in and through my life And uh, I pray that your grace would be evident in my life and that those who are here this evening to be able to hear your word, that you would also work in their life as well. We love you this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask that you stand and turn to uh, Matthew chapter uh, uh, 24, if you would, please. Matthew uh, chapter 24. And uh, we're going to take a look at the first 14 verses uh, this evening as we looked at them this morning. Matthew chapter 24. And following, if you would please. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to, uh, came to, him for to show him the building of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, see ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, tell us. When shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many, and ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and pestilence and earthquakes. Uh, I'm sorry. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. For there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then many shall be offended and shall betray one another. And shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then the end shall come. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, This portion of Scripture that we're looking at is the Olivet Discourse, which Jesus is giving to his disciples. The disciples, their world that they knew, the way that they had been living, everything that they knew to be true was now turned upside down. They're getting ready for the one who they followed for three and a half years to be taken from them. What's What's happening next? They were just told by Jesus in Matthew chapter 23 that their temple was going to be desolate, the place where they thought that God dwelt was going to be empty. God's not there. Jesus then goes on to say, he takes it a little bit further, and he goes on to say, now, not only is that temple going to be left desolate, but that thing that you prize so much, that one thing in your life that you you are set on so much, the one thing that you hold up in great esteem as a very devout Jew, the temple, it's not only going to be desolate, but it's going to be destroyed. Their whole world as they knew it was turned upside down. And so their question basically was, What's going to happen next? Because they asked Jesus some questions here about the end. This portion of Scripture is, is, I believe, is talking about the tribulation period. I believe the church is gone now. Okay, That's the reason it's not mentioned and it's talking about the tribulation period and what Jesus is teaching his disciples and what he is teaching us this evening is that we are to not live by reason, what we see in front of us, what we see around us, or what we think is right, but we are to live by the revelation of the word of God. We're to live by what God's word says, we're, we're to have faith in what the Bible has to say this morning. I mentioned to you that there are four benefits from this passage of prophecy that will help us to live by revelation or by faith. I mentioned to you this morning that Jesus gives real truth. We don't have to worry about Jesus lying to us. The Bible plainly teaches us that God does not lie. He has been the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he will remain the same and he gives us real truth, not religious deception. We see that in verses four and five, and we see not a religious deity, a false Christ. And we talked about many of the false Christ that can be involved in a believer's life. You say, what do you mean by a false Christ? The Christ that we commit, uh, that, that we, that we uh, make in our own image. The Christ that we think the way Jesus should be instead of following Jesus of the Bible. So the first benefit of living by revelation is is, is knowing real truth. But I want us to take a look at verses 6 through 10 this evening. Because the second benefit of living by revelation is that Jesus gives real rest. Jesus gives real rest. And and take a look here, if you would, verses 6 through 10. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. Jesus gives real rest, you might want to write this down, not continual conflicts. Because that's what we see here in verses 6 and 7. Jesus states there's going to be wars and, and there's going to be rumors of wars. And when you think of war, what do you think of? You think of unrest, right? You think of death. There's unrest when you think about going to war. There's unrest when... You think about our nation going to war. How many remember 9 11? And how many people there was unrest in their heart? They were thinking, "What's going to happen next?" You remember seeing those towers fall and it was very surreal. We were thinking, "What is going on? There was unrest. And when we think about war, we, we have that feeling of unrest. Our, our heart is gripped with, with great concern. According to the arms conflict survey of 2019, there are currently 33 conflicts across six global regions in this past year. You know, war has effect on people, does it not? It affects the quality of one's life. It really does. There is destruction of land and property. It, it displaces citizens many times. Many soldiers come back with PTSD. PS, I'm sorry, PTSD. There are many more effects of war upon people that we could list. And Jesus says there's going to be wars, rumors of wars. Wars. And you know what he says in the midst of that? Don't be troubled. Why? Because Jesus gives real rest. How could anybody say that? Wait a second. My world as I know it is is topsy-turvy, but what? Jesus gives real rest. Not only do we not have continual conflicts here, but we see that there are not costly calamities. You can see that in verses 7 and 8. Jesus mentions three areas of calamities in this portion of Scripture he mentions famines, he mentions pestilence, and he mentions earthquakes. And famines, according to Oxfam.org, the world is on the brink of unprecedented famines. About 30 million people, according to this website, are experiencing alarming hunger, severe levels of food insecurity, and malnutrition. In northeastern Nigeria, South Sudan, Somalia, and Yemen, 10 million of those people are facing emergency and famine conditions. They say that famine is already most likely happening in the northern parts of Nigeria while Yemen and Somalia are on the brink. Now remember, that's what's happening right now. I believe Jesus is talking about a future time. If that's what's happening right now, can you imagine the way the world will be when the tribulation happens? You know what people are going to be saying? What happens next? See, if you and I, if we live by the faith of the word of God, we don't need to worry about what happens next. Because we know that God is in control. He mentions uh, pestilence. That's any epidemic disease with high death rate one thing that came to my mind as I was studying for this is, is uh, we don't know where it's going to end up, but that uh, coronavirus. Wow. Isn't it amazing how on, uh, people are on, on unrest right now? They have no, I mean, I, was, I turned on the news yesterday while I was driving, listening to a little bit of the news. And this uh, uh, news reporter was saying, hey, we want to know what your thoughts and how concerned are you on a level 1 to 10 about the coronavirus? <coughs> Why, people, people have unrest. He talks about earthquakes in diverse places. Luke chapter 21 and verse 11, the Bible says, And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines, and pestilence, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. You know what my question is? Why, why must these things be? And I would say I think the answer is because of the depth of human sin, but most importantly because of God's purpose in history. See, we can rest assured if we follow this book, if we we follow by faith what this Bible says and we pursue after Christ, we can rest assured. We can have a peace that passes all understanding even in the midst of the most unrestful times. Why? Because we're following the Word of God. Not only does he say that there are Jesus gives rest. He, he mentions here that there are not continual conflicts. There's not costly calamities. But then verses 9 and 10. There's not contentious Christians. Take a look at verses 9 and 10. Then they shall deliver you up. Now remember, who's he talking to? He's talking to the disciples, right? Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my namesake and then many uh, and, and and then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another Jesus is speaking to his disciples here I personally believe that the church did not start at Pentecost I believe the church started with Jesus and his disciples I believe it was empowered at Pentecost but I believe it started with Jesus and his disciples And the disciples are representative of the Christians who are going to be hated in the last days. And they're going to be Christians who are condemned to death according to this portion of Scripture. And you know what Jesus says? Don't be troubled. There are those who are going to be persecuted. uh, Christians who are going to be persecuted according to verse 9. It says, for his namesake. And Jesus says, don't be troubled. You say, why is this happening to them? Because they refuse to deny Christ. See, if you go along with the world's game, especially today, if you go along with the world's game and not mention Jesus and don't stand up for Jesus, they'll let you alone. But once you mention Jesus, it's on. Once you mention the Lord Jesus Christ, I mean, the gloves come off at that point. You've crossed the line. If it's that way now, can you imagine how it's going to be at the tribulation time? Not only will there be Christians that are killed, but I want you to take a look at verse 10. But there will be contentions, Christians. And I do believe that this has to do with Christians. You say, why is that, Pastor? Because it say, and shall betray one another. There are those who are supposed to be loving one another. Instead of loving one another, they're, t- they're turning on one another. Instead of working together, they're tearing each other apart. Instead of loving one another, they're hating one another. You know, that's not only part of the tribulation period, but can I tell you, that's a part of the church today. And that's sad. No wonder the world doesn't want anything to do with the church. It's not that the gospel doesn't work. The gospel works. It's not that Jesus doesn't save. Jesus saves. It's not that lives can't be transformed. They can be transformed. The problem is not... With what Jesus has given us, the problem is with Christians. See, because we'd rather fight each other than fight the devil. Oh, and by the way, what it means by fighting the devil is if somebody doesn't have the exact same standard as you do, then you get to fight them too. Because they're of the devil. I mean, if their standard doesn't line up exactly where you are, whatever happened to uh, that the, someone needs to be persuaded in their own mind, Whatever happened to somebody about being developed in, in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit bringing them along? You know what we like to do with Christ, as Christians? We like to clean up the unsaved before they're ever saved. We like to get people right for Jesus. Instead of let, letting the Holy Spirit get people right. Right. You know, it's a blessing to be able to see an individual who's gotten saved and maybe their language isn't right. And maybe, maybe they might come in. I've, I've had people uh, at the end of church uh, shake my hand and say, man, pastor, that was an H of a message. You say, is that true? Yes, that's true. I have. And you know what I say? Man, I can't believe you said that kind of word. And you no, I said, well, f- thank the Lord. I'm glad. They, they'll come along. That's not the kind of language that we should be using, but the simple fact of the matter is, whatever happened to somebody coming along uh, along somebody instead of criticizing them, uh, how about developing them in Christ? I'm going to tell you what. In my own Christian walk, I remember people who ripped me apart because I was the pastor's son. I remember people that tried to set me up to see if I was lying or not because I was the pastor's son. But I also remember people who came alongside me and said, son, you're going to be okay. You'll be all right. My dad's often told me, he goes, it's only by the grace of God that you're still even in church, let alone in the ministry. You know what gave me hope? Some of you folks that as I was coming up came alongside of me and helped me in my Christian walk. See, we can be contentious in the church and you're never going to find real rest. That's what people want. They fight all week long at their job. They don't want it here. And Jesus can give real rest, and he does. I want you to think about this evening, how Paul had to deal with the people of Galatia concerning this. He said, he said, I, I want to warn you about your fighting amongst each other. Why? Because it will consume you. You know what I find amazing today? That it's not only Christians fighting against Christians, it's churches fighting against churches, as groups against groups. And these are signs of the last days. We don't have to be involved in such nonsense. But if it's that way now, can you imagine the way it's going to be then? I want to ask you a question. I mentioned a few minutes ago that Sometimes we think that fighting another Christian because they don't have the exact same standard that we do is, is okay because they just need, you know, they must be of the devil. But can I ask you a question? And I'm not saying that there's not room for sitting down with somebody one-on-one and talking about spiritual things to be able to help bring them along. That's a good thing. The question is this evening, according to the Bible, according to what Jesus has to say, how did he say that the world would know that we are his? Anybody? By our love, one for another. Remember Jesus' prayer? Lord, I pray that these would be one as you and I are one. Sometimes I think that we think that people know that we're really good Christians By everything that we've got set in place, boy. All those standards and all. And I'm for standards. I'm for standards. But that's not how the world is going to know. Which leads us into the next benefit of Living by faith. Living not by reason, but by revelation. Take a look here. Jesus gives real love. He gives real love. Verses 11 and 12. Take a look here. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Jesus gives real love. He doesn't mislead. Say, what are you you talking about? The Bible says that there are false prophets that will deceive many. See, real love does not deceive people. Real love does not mislead people. Real love tells the truth. You know what I found? You can have false prophets in the world of religion. You can have false prophets in the world of politics. You can have false prophets in the world of um, uh, um, uh, education and philosophy. You say, well, what do you mean? See, a false prophet is someone who says, I have the answer. This is the way to make it in life. This is the way to survive, to get get by. And what they were doing, false prophets, what they do is they teach that the answer to life is man-centered. It's what man can do. It's self-gratification. It's live for yourself. It's live by your reason. Live by your logic. I mean, come on, man. God's given you a brain. You need to use it. And yes, he has given us a brain, and we ought to use it. But we ought to use it to be able to follow what the word of God has to say. There are certain things in the Bible that God has asked us to do that are not logical to the world. But we don't live by reason. We live by revelation. See, a true prophet speaks to the glory of God. A false prophet speaks to the glory of man. And what happens is that people substitute the word of God, and when they substitute the word of God for something else, then those who have a false message will rise up and they'll be able to deceive many. And real love doesn't mislead. And real love doesn't lead. To coldness, the Bible says that love. uh, The Bible says that the love that people once had has gone cold. Why? Take a look at the verse there. And um, and and because verse twelve, iniquity shall bound the love of many shall wax cold. (coughs) Say, why does love wax cold? Because of iniquity. What does that mean? It means lawlessness. That's to, what does that mean? It means to openly defy the law. And I believe that it's not only referring at this point in time to the law of the land because you can see lawlessness in certain parts of our country. You can see it. But I believe, especially during this time, and we can even see it in our day today, that the, the aim of this verse is saying that people are openly defiant to the word of God. Because iniquity abounds, they're lawless. They, they won't submit to the authority of the word of God. They'd rather live by reason than by revelation. Their love waxed cold. See, when you and I, when we're taught that there's no such thing as absolute truth, this is the destination that you're going to end up. If Listen, folks, if we keep buying into this, this idea that there's absolute truth It's going to come back to haunt America big time. Because then people start to ask, well, then why do you have the right to make that law? Then if you have, then I'm going to, well, they're voted into, well, I didn't vote for them. That's why you can have certain people doing certain things in our country. And you just scratch your head and you say, how can you do that? How can you? Why? Because when there's no such thing as absolute truth, when you live by reason and not by revelation, this is the destination that you're going to end up. With, And for us as believers, listen. You say, well, I'm not lawless. Do you follow the word of God? I mean, do you, are we as believers following the word of God? What it has to say? We're doing what it has to say on a daily basis? See, when you and I, when we disregard the word of God... We're eliminating the chance to experience his love. I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 8, if you would, please. He says, because lawlessness abounds, or iniquity abounds, lawless, not following the law, the love of many shall wax cold. Jesus gives us real love. So when we follow the word of God, we get to experience his real love. Take a look at Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. But if you just disregard the word of God you're not going to be able to experience this. Verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 8. For I will be merciful unto their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews ten seventeen says the same thing. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. My point is this. That if we don't live by revelation, the world doesn't learn to live by revelation we're never going to experience the love of God the way that we should. Why? He's talking here about the salvation of people, but it can also be applied to us in our daily lives. So the benefit of living by revelation instead of reason is that you'll know real truth, you'll know real rest, you'll know real love, and then lastly, you'll know real security. Jesus gives real security. Take a look at verses 13 and 14. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. There's not a fake security. Jesus doesn't give a fake security. There's real security. I want you to take a look at this verse because sometimes people get this confused. It says in verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Jesus is not saying that if you want to be saved, you've got to endure until the end. No, because you have got to look at all the other scriptures; they would contradict other scriptures. Do I believe in the preservation of the saints, the perseverance of the saints? Yes, I do. But Jesus already gives security to those who are saved. He already gives eternal life. To those who are saved. What Jesus is saying is that do you want to know who the real Christians are? See who endures. That's what that verse is saying. See who endures. You ever hear someone say, hey, maybe on the news or whatever, I used to be a preacher of the gospel, but now I'm an atheist. I don't even believe there's a God. Say, man, they must have lost their salvation. No, they didn't lose it because they never had it. They never had it. Well, I used to be a Christian. Being a Christian is not something that you put on and put off. It's not like my coat jacket. I used to have a coat jacket on, you know. It's either you are or you're not. And Jesus is saying here this evening, he's saying uh, through these verses that you want to know who are saved, those who will endure to the end. Those who endure are truly the saved ones. The ones who do not deny Christ during the most troubling time. That being the tribulation. The Bible says that this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness. What do we see? Take a look at verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. There's a commission to be able to preach the gospel. Why? Because people... Will not get to heaven by living by reason, but only by revelation. Those of us who know Christ as our personal Savior, we have a security. And what we share with others is real truth that gives real rest about real love for real security. I do believe that we've been in the last days. I believe we've been in the last days since Christ ascended to heaven. And Jesus Christ could come back at any time and take his church. But Jesus says, and then the end will be. See, our text shows us that the word of God is true because nobody could have predicted something like this if he wasn't God himself. It's an impossibility. So you say, okay, pastor, what does this mean to us? That we're to live by the revelation of God's word and not by our own reason. What this means to us is that we need to get busy sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and have faith in a God that will do the work of saving people. What this means is for those who don't know Christ is that they need to come to know Christ. Amen. That's what it means. What happens next? I'll tell you what happens next. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen in your life if you allow it. For everybody here. I'm going to make a prediction. If you allow this, this is what's going to happen tomorrow morning for you. You get the opportunity to live by revelation instead of living your life by reason. Tomorrow morning, you have the opportunity to be able to walk by faith and trust the Lord instead of living by your own ideas. Disciples were like, Jesus, what in the world? What's going to happen next, Lord? Well, here, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Everything that you thought that your world was based on is going to be gone. So don't live life according to what you see around you. Live life according to what I say. The Word of God. Have you ever found that when we have trouble in our spiritual lives... It's always because we haven't followed something in the scriptures. We are living by what we thought was right. We're living by what we thought we should do instead of living by the word of God.